Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. This CD is available along with many other spiritual songs along these lines, and it's unlike anything you've ever heard. If you want to order a copy, contact Save.org, and you may phone them, 210-573-6335. You can find them on Facebook, and they also do live shows. And you can also listen to them on YouTube. And there's also available uh, on Amazon. I found the CD on Amazon. And um, good morning again. I'm your host, Reverend Sean McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenets. The Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, and you may use any Bible you wish. I've had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude, we'll have ongoing Bible readings and discussions about our spiritual experiences. I'm just focused on being just being myself and carrying the message uh, as it is given to me. Uh, the call-in number today is 619-924-9744, and Sacred Sundays airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. or earlier at Pacific Standard Times. Now, let's do our opening prayer as we all say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christos Anesti. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. As we've been praying this for months and months, and it's been the foremost of our mind, I'm sorry to say that uh, so many horrible things are happening. I see that through numerous news sources that they're crucifying Christians in Syria, and then Christians have been removed entirely from Mosul the first time in history. Please, God, send your archangel, Michael, and all the other angels to fight against evil and protect them and all your all your people that have freedom to worship and protect our Christians, brothers and sisters, as they try to just live out their faith and depend on you, Heavenly Father. What happened was that I heard that they were asked to go back to uh, Islam, and they wouldn't, and they crucified them on crosses. That's what I heard. Please, God, watch over them. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and all of our other policymakers and policymakers from around the world. They have many decisions to make. They have actions to do, and we pray for them that they be, have wisdom. And also those that suffer to know that they're not alone and their suffering is a fair cause and that sometimes people are martyrs, as Jesus was. As I've been taught, as our leadership is appointed by God and we need to pray for them. So say a prayer every day that they give us divine leadership in our country and other countries around the world. I want to thank you, God. Amen. And as Jesus, please help us and bless us to grow under your care and teach us and keep our minds open to everything that you want us to learn. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I also like to say happy birthday to everybody who has a birthday today, including my very best friend in the world, 
We've been friends over 40 years. It's her birthday today. Her name is Rosemary Huff. I'd also like to thank, uh, Jason, uh, thank her for all the years of steady and fast friendship. And I wish her prosperity and happiness and uh, a wonderful year ahead, along with Jason Price and Leanne Porter, then to Ryan. I God bless her and Jason, and have a very wonderful, wonderful birthday. And if you have any birthday announcements you'd like me to say, just let me know. You can message me on Facebook, and or you can come in, uh, do in chat, and tell, give me your message. Anyway, and please call in if you have a special prayer request or a positive intention this morning. The number again is 619-924-9744. And I have another resource for you. Uh, uh, if you don't have a Bible or you would like to study more on your own, uh, go to www.biblegatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewaygatewa
On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Ananias, the high priest, was there. And Cephas and John and Alexander and all who were high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power and what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how his man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by his name this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which resurrected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there was a salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing that the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that no worthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that they, it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer of any, to any man of this name. And when we had some, summoned them, and when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So they were choosing. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. And for the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. The prayer. Now we're on verse 23. We're reading in Acts 4 on verse 23. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, is it you who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? And the kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Wow. For truly in this city there we gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed anointed, both Herod and Pontipilate, among, along with uh, Gentiles and peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of this threat, and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence, while you extend your hand to heal, and the signs and wonders take place in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation and those who believed were of one heart and soul, 
Not of not one of them claimed that anything else belonging to him was his own, but all things were in common property to them. And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales, and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as they had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of the Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now purging and prosecution, that will come next time. So we're already up to chapter 5. So let's go back and read the notes. This is very intense. Uh, even though there's been plots against them, they still go forth in the preaching and thousands, this is 5,000 here, had uh, laid up all their goods and they're all sharing everything now. Okay, so let's go back to the notes. It says, 4-1, the captain of the temple guard, an official second only to the high priest, he is responsible for ordering the temple. The Sadducees hated the idea of resurrection that the apostles were preaching. And then 4-6 is Ananias and Siapas. We know nothing about John and John and Alexander. So there's notes in Luke 3-2, but they don't know about John and Alexander, whom they're speaking of right now. Anyway, um, now we're up to 4-12. In his answer, Peter actually puts his ears on trial, calls attention to the fact that the miracle is a good deed, not a crime, and that it's performed by the power of Jesus, whom they crucified. Jesus' rejection was predicted in the Old Testament. And salvation is only through him. All of this in 92 words in the Greek text. Now we're up to 413. Uneducated, untrained men. This means that Peter and John were not formally trained in the rabbinic schools. They were not professional scholars or ordained teachers. And then we're up to 15. Though the Sanhedrin forbade, forbade further preaching, they did not try to disprove the resurrection of Jesus, which would have been the simplest way to discredit the apostles. And now we're up to 4.24.30. A prayer of thanksgiving for the sovereign power of God, not a prayer for deliverance from further opposition. The only petition in this prayer is for boldness. Lord, using the absolute relationship of a master to his slaves, the disciples were placing themselves in that position as slaves of their Lord. Responsibility for the death of Christ is laid upon the Jews, both the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit. There are a number of references to the activity of the Holy Spirit in Acts. If you want me to read where that was again, Lord, and that was 424, uh, used in the absolute relationship of a master to his slaves, the disciples are placing themselves in that position as slaves to the Lord. And then 427 was responsibility for the death of Christ is laid both upon Jews and Gentiles. The Holy Spirit. There are a number of references to the activity of the Holy Spirit in Acts. He baptizes believers into the holy body of Christ, thus forming the church. Two, his presence in the believer is evidence of the new birth. Three, he fills believers believers for witnessing and for leadership and for strength and for special discernment. And then now we're up to a note on for four thirty two. All things are common property. This display of Christian charity did not abolish the right of personal property. 
such community of goods was not compulsory but voluntary as a way of eliminating need among them. And then, since Levites were not owned land in Israel, Barnabas likely owned the land in Cyprus. So it goes on to teach us uh, how they were in the early starting of the church and uh, how under uh, the leadership of the apostles that they were bringing forth, uh, especially Peter and John, were uh, also stepping into the leadership roles and um, were to learn and be bold by their activity was supposed to reach out and do the same thing and help others share. Show no fear. We may feel fear, but still move forward and bring the message to others. Okay, so at this point, I think I'm going to read a, a, just a simple page out of my book here, Worth in Worship, which is soon to be published. I'm just about done, and... Uh, I have a few more stories to add, and then I'm going to be ready. Okay. There are many things I've learned from others or reading that have helped me throughout the years. They are deceptively simple, yet very effective, and I use these every day. Others are good for emergency safety nets. The first thing is to make your bed as soon as you get out of it. For some reason, this gets you going, and you have a sense of accomplishment right off the bat in the beginning of the day. Next, be sure to feed the animals before you leave the house. It will calm down the animals and you won't feel guilty when you have to leave and go to work or whatever, go about your duties of the day. Anyway, when you get back and you have to look at those little taut faces, happily looking up at you, waiting for the food, you just want to to bring more happiness. And of course, the animals are helpless without us. This is an old one, but it helps. Get a a God bag or box and use it to hold the scribble notes to God. Some things have no immediate answer, but if you write it down and give it to God, some call it the God box, and look at it a few days later, and you're going to find out that either you have a different point of view of the problem or God took the problem away. And then when you let go of it, that's, that's what you have to do, is we have to learn to let go. When you go to listen to a lecture, please thank, thank the speaker. They have, or, you know, you listen to the a host on a radio show, or you... Uh, have a guest speaker anywhere, shake their hand and tell them you appreciated the talk, even if you didn't really like it. It still shows respect to the speaker that went out of their way to speak for you. And it shows class to be polite in these circumstances. Have faith, believe, God is happy to make you happy. Jesus wants you to bring you to himself. God wants you to accept his love, his bounty, his peace. Have faith that things will turn out all right. Depend on a favorable outcome, which wherever way it goes, God has the best in mind for us. You can train your mind to stop thinking intrusive and negative thoughts. I have made a habit of every time I think of something negative about myself, I must also think something positive about myself. With all the bad things we have thought about ourselves and on others, we have beaten a groove in our brain filled with negative thoughts. We can invite and embed another groove by inoculating against with good thoughts and to minimize the impact of the bothersome bad news neuropathic systems. In most cases, we constantly reinforce these kinds of thoughts, resentment, anger about past disappointments. We are not good-looking enough, rich enough, smart enough, thin enough. We are not brought up right. Nobody cares. And we say this even though God created a universe for us, on and on, Some are so foolish that we cling to them because our brains easily slip that way. 
it is time to grow up. It will take some effort, but the least you can do is think positive thoughts for every negative. No one can cram negativity into your brain unless you allow it. And once it is there, we are responsible for what we do with it. Get honest and get real. I don't mean tell everyone what you think of them, but be more direct and make your no me no, your yes mean yes. This will be very hard in this politically correct atmosphere, but we must practice. We have to learn to when to shut up and don't say the last word that can undo a good deed. <laughs> That's so true. Anyway, let it go. You don't have to be perfect and always right. My Aunt Kathy gently reminds me not to take things so seriously. God rest his soul. If we make a mistake, admit it on the spot and go on with life. Everyone loves to receive mail. Remember to send thank you cards and birthday cards to those, hardly anybody does this anymore, but we must try to those who always seem to remember you. It means a lot to the young and to the old. Teach your children to send a postcard now and then. A little note goes a long way to mend a hurt or brighten a day. Well, there are lots of other things. Remember to tip well, bring something with me and ask to a friend's home for dinner, and don't take it back home with you. And if you don't want, if they don't want to bring you to bring food, a small gift of, or flowers will do. Help clean up. All these things are decent and right. We have to be reliable in doing what is right in the small things, and we will be righteous in the large things. We will be trusted with more. The more we give, the more we will have. The less we give, the less we will have. We cannot hide from God. God knows it all, and we must act accordingly. Help us to do what's right, dear God. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the things of understanding, and to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion, a wise man will hear an increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. And that was Proverbs 1, 1 through 5. He who is faithful in every very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a little thing is unrighteous in much. Luke 16:10. And now we are strong. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Let each of us please his, his neighbor for his good and for his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but it is written, The reproaches of those who reproached thee fell on me. Romans 15, 1-3 Until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, and carried about by every kind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, the craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects of him who is the head, even Christ. That's Ephesians 4, 13-15. And our last one. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Wow, that's powerful. That was Ephesians 4, 30-32. It's been really, let's see, it's been really a lovely morning. You know, California has been going through a severe drought, 
and we've had rain all night, and there was still just a little bit of a gentle rain uh, happening just even a few minutes ago, and I want to thank God for all that because I was praying and praying for rain because we are parched here. And actually, I thought it was so beautiful. I had the uh, door open all night watching the rain come down. So now I have a story. Now, this is not a guide post. And uh, let me see, I think we can do the whole thing. This is about not, don't ever give up. This is the focus on the story. And uh, the title is With Every Step She Took. And this is by Pat Van Dyke, and she lives in Cannon Lake, California. Life had been a distant and constant uphill battle for our daughter Mary. But now as we watch her carefully step down from a set of bleachers at her high school homecoming football game, I felt nothing but pride. The captain of the football team, Brian Robertson, extended his hand, and Mary reached for it. She had come a long, long way. Mary's struggle began in July morning, 18 years ago. She entered the world at Loma Vista University Medical Center at 10.30 a.m. and was immediately rushed to intensive care. Twenty minutes later, she, visited by, she was visited by our obstetrician and neonatalist, and uh, your daughter is severely handicapped, the doctor said. What's wrong, we asked. I'm afraid we can't give you all the details yet, we were told. We'll have to do a complete examination. The examination test and x-ray revealed that Mary had a number of physical and neurological disorders. She was missing a hip on one side, had a dislocated hip on the other. She had clubbed feet, a faulty valve in her heart, curvature of the spine, hearing loss, a short left femur, and a muscle disorder in jaundice. Why in the world would the Lord allow a child to be born with so many problems? I wanted to know. I asked my husband, Peter. He is a minister and had worked tirelessly for his church. We have served God faithfully. Why would he do this to us? Why not, he asked gently but firmly. What makes you think we are so special this would not happen to us? Next Sunday, while Mary was still in the hospital, Peter chose a passage of the Gospel of John for his sermon. In it, the disciples asked why a man was born blind. And before he healed the man, Jesus replied, that was the work that God should make manifest in him. Let's read, read that again. That the work of God should be made manifest in him. That was from John 9, 3. That is the answer to my question. We would pray that the glory of God be made manifest in our daughter. The entire congregation prayed for Mary. That as the weeks went by, we thought we were making progress, we were pushed back. Mary developed an apnea, a condition that made her stop breathing. A doctor stood by her side 24 hours a day and performed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation up to 20 times an hour. A CAT scan revealed underdeveloped areas of her brain. No one would say if she'd even be able to hold her head up. When she was seven weeks old, Mary was released from the hospital. We drove home with a backseat filled with hospital equipment. What we did not know was that the doctors had agreed that Mary would not live beyond six months. Mary struggled to prove them wrong and begun. By the age of two, Mary had been in the operating room 12 times. We often knew the weary trips to the hospital but continued to fight. Mary's sister, Alice, who was only three years older, helped her accomplish the impossible. When the therapist said Mary would never be able to crawl, Alice taught her how to climb an entire flight of stairs. When we were warned that Mary would not be able to stand, Alice taught her to pull herself up on the side of the sofa. When we were told that the two-and-a-half-year-old Mary would never walk, Alice helped take her first animated steps. I can do it by myself, Mary said. No, Alice corrected. Jesus is showing you how. 
One day I lifted Mary in my arms to climb a steep hill. As soon as I set her down, she hurried back to the starting point and climbed up herself. See, she said, Jesus is showing me how to do it myself. At the age of three, Mary was eligible to be placed on a state-funded educational program for the handicapped. But we insisted on mainstreaming her, so we enrolled her in a private school and where I was also able to find a teaching job, and I was grateful to be close to her every day. The doctors had predicted that she would be a slow learner, but at the age of five, she had entered the regular kindergarten class. Graduation took place with Mary in full body cast, pulled down the aisle by a red wagon by her best friend. In first and second grade, she excelled in all her academic subjects, but the physical struggle continued. Unable to do all things, Mary still wanted to take part in every activity her friends did. The simple news of a school roller skating party brought tears, and the dream of someday becoming a cheerleader only resulted in frustration. I watched the pain across her face each time the classmates stared at her or forgot to hold the door open for her. At playtime, Mary was always the last chosen for any game, but she played with fiery determination. Her teenage years came quickly, and I remember one night when we arrived at the neighbor's pool for Mary's swimming party. She heard the sounds of a party in the adjoining house, the home of one of her friends. Why wasn't I invited? She asked. I had no answer. When I was offered a teaching position at another school, we decided that Mary would also change schools. It meant having to battle the stares and question the comments of a new set of students, but she was ready for this fight. That September, Mary had become a 10th grader at the Riverside Christian High School. The students were unusually inquisitive, but they were also understanding. What happened to you, they asked her. Have you always been this way? Will you ever get better? They soon came to admire her independence and humor, and when she went swimming, they noticed the scars on her legs for all her operations. What happened to your legs, one girl asked Mary. An alligator bit me, she replied, and the students laughed. <laughs> Special allowances were made to give her enough time to get to her class. Teacher made it a policy to speak of her handicaps only when she was present. The other students planned activities which Mary could take part. Her height of four feet eight was accepted. The five-inch buildup of her left shoe was viewed as just as Mary's shoe. Whenever she fell, which happened frequently, a student was at hand to stand up the stand and continue on her way. Even though there was no separation between her thumbs and index fingers, Mary won the, the award for best typist. In her senior year, she was the editor of the yearbook, secretary of the student body, and a member of the Holy Honor and Society and ranked third in her class. Some of her handicaps will never be corrected, but we will continue to be awed by her faith and determination. Though Mary, through Mary, we have learned about God's grace than we ever thought possible. Her father, sister, and I were not the only ones touched by this extraordinary child. Her indomitable spirit was inspired by our community. Our church has grown dramatically, and as the members have watched Mary overcome many of her handicaps, got to others. Excuse me, I'm sorry. And their faith is a crown. God's good works have been made manifest. Mary strained to reach Brian's outreach hand. He helped lift her billowing dress with her hair blue in the wind. The two walked to the center of the football field, and the crowd cheered. The words came over the loudspeakers, presenting our 1994 homecoming queen, Mary Van Dyke. The crowd roared and tears rolled down my cheeks. The crown was placed on Mary's head. Brian lifted her into his arms and carried her off the field. Wow. I've never read that story today that quite touched me.
So, so anyway, um, how beautiful that was. Now, I want you to come back next week when I read um, Acts chapter 5. And I've got a, I feel very blessed by being with you today. I want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, help us get through the Bible reading, the books, and my book reading. And I appreciate you very, very much. And we thank God for friends and for the fellowshipping together this morning. And we in closing, we have a traditional prayer. After a moment of silent meditation for those who are still sick and suffering and for those who actually can't be here with us. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so you may have strength to face whatever is ahead. Just remember you're never alone, that God loves you. May your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Remember you can message me and reach me on Facebook. And God bless you. Love you very much. It's been wonderful to be here with you. Bye-bye.